so welcome back to the podcast. This is me, Michelle Reed, and you're listening to But What's Next? I hope you guys are having a great Monday when you're listening. I hope you feel ready for the week that is coming. I hope everyone is just having a great start of the week. I know Mondays can either be really good or really hard, so I'm just hoping it's a good one for you. Today's episode is one that I've wanted to do for a little bit of time now, but I just feel like it's a topic that I personally wish I would have heard more from from people who were in their young 20s, and that's all about money. So making money and being a good steward of your money and saving and mistakes I've made, my relationship with money and how it's changed. And because it has such a weird stigma, it can oftentimes be hard to know how to view money. And this is something that I'm really thankful and I'll talk a lot about in this episode, but I'm very thankful that I grew up in a family who had a healthy relationship with money and kind of taught me how to have a healthy relationship with money. And there are so many things I learned that I kind of wish I would have heard from someone else. So many mistakes I've made that I wish I knew not to do. And I've also been really interested in this topic for a while, this topic of, you know, investing and especially being young, why it's the best time to do that. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. With that being said, I'm no expert on money and I'm obviously not a millionaire or anything. And I don't think that money is the end-all be-all of life. I think it's a part of life, but it's not the biggest part of life. I think that you can learn a lot from it, but obviously it's something that is so easily idolized and so easily worshipped today and so easily to compare yourself. I feel like now I always see videos on, you know, how much money I make specifically on YouTube. And I feel like those videos can just make people insecure. And so I just kind of wanted to do like a transparent episode. I'm not going to be talking about how much money I make, but I do kind of want to talk about my relationship with money and how it's changed over the years and just things I've learned. That being said, I'm not an expert. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not an expert on investing. I'm 22 years old. This is what I've learned so far. And every time I do content kind of around money, there are always people who are like, I don't know why this girl's talking about this. She knows nothing about money. But I think that A lot of people listen to this podcast because they like hearing my opinion and they like hearing a different opinion. I love hearing different opinions. I think it's good to like see different viewpoints and I don't listen to a podcast mostly for information. I listen to it more for entertainment to kind of see if I agree, have my thoughts challenged, and also just purely to have while I'm like doing a chore or something. And so I still wanted to talk about it. I know that I'm in a very blessed position of life. I'm very thankful for the life that I grew up having as a child and how that impacts the money that I have today. And I know that's not something that everyone has, which is why I really want to stress the importance that money is not everything. And some of the most unhappy people in life are those with the most money. I know I'm in a privileged position And so I just want to, one, say thank you to God for the position that I'm in, but also just acknowledge that I know it's not like that for everyone. And that's why I will talk a lot about the aspect of generosity in this podcast because I think it's an important one too. Dave Ramsey, if you guys don't know, he talks a lot about money. He's a big finance guy. I kind of grew up hearing Dave Ramsey in the car when my mom would drive us to school. It was just always something I heard in the background. And there's this one quote that he said that still sticks with me today. And he still says, I think it's so good, but... It's this aspect of living like no one else so you can give like no one else. And that has always been my philosophy, my philosophy that I've learned from my parents especially. And it's something that I want to instill in our marriage between me and Aiden and our family and generations to come and just this aspect of generosity. And I think it's very important. At first, I'm just going to talk about growing up and 
the kind of family that I grew up with, my relationship with money, how it changed when I started making money. And then I want to talk about mistakes that I've made, things that I regret doing. And then I'm going to answer questions at the end and just kind of some key takeaways that I've learned. So I am the youngest of five kids. I feel like a lot of people know that I have sisters, but they don't know that I have brothers. But I'm 22 years old and my oldest brother is 30. So there's eight years between us and we're all two years apart, which is really cool. I don't know how it worked out that way. None of us, except I think my brother Derek were really, quote, planned. (laughs) But I loved growing up with my siblings because we were always so close in age. Before any of us actually came about, if you will, my dad worked full-time in media and my mom was a teacher. And when they were 28 years old, that's when my mom and my dad decided that they wanted to start having kids. And they always knew that they wanted to have a lot of kids. My parents love growing up with their families and just really value having kids. And so they knew they wanted to have a lot. And so my mom, actually, when she was 28, she got pregnant with my brother, Derek. And she knew that she wanted to be able to stay home with us, to just be there, to raise us, to not have to use daycare. That was just a priority for her and a priority for my dad. With that being said, money was really tight. It wasn't something where it was an easy decision to make. It was very much taking a step of faith because my parents felt that they were called to do this. And so my dad, he started out actually doing like furniture sales. So he was making commission off selling furniture. And then he got into media and had a good job, but it definitely wasn't the kind of job where it was easy to have kids off one income. My mom felt very called that she didn't want to be able to stay home with us. And so at this time, they were living paycheck to paycheck once my brother Derek came. So they're 28 at this point. And my parents always valued the principle of tithing, which is giving 10% of whatever your income is to the church. It's kind of a principle of giving your first fruits from each load of blessings that you get every month to God. It's just a way of worshiping God with your money, which I think is really important. It's a principle that I believe in too. And it's always the first part of your money to go is that 10% to the church. So even though my dad was not making very much money, this was still a principle that they had. It was still something that they did. And they were living paycheck to paycheck. And so I remember my mom would tell me the story how at one point they literally did not have money for groceries. Things were so tight. And I think my mom just had money to buy. And my brother Derek was still breastfeeding at this point. So it was just groceries for my parents. But I remember they just said that they prayed because they literally did not have money And they just prayed to God that he would bless them. And randomly, this guy came to my parents' door the night that they didn't have anything. And he actually gave my dad a check that he said had gotten lost in the mail or it was something from his work that he had just never gotten a commission or something. And he got this check that allowed them to have groceries. It was definitely a God moment where they were shown, you know, this is what it looks like when you rely on God, when you trust in him and even when you rely on him so much so that you follow your calling, what you feel called to do above seeking out money. It was a story that really showed my parents' priorities. After my parents had all of us, we were actually in Texas at this point, and my dad had worked at the same company for I think like 15 years had been a really long time, but he actually decided to step down and start working at the church that we were going to because his job was definitely getting too demanding while having five kids. He didn't feel like he could spend enough time with us. He felt like he was constantly working late. There was also a chance he would have to move to California, which meant we would have to move to California. And he just knew that wasn't the best decision for our family. We had been moving a lot growing up. I personally was always in Texas, but before then, 
we moved from they moved from Virginia to Ohio to Chicago so they lived a lot of different places my dad actually quit his job and took a major pay cut to work at a church which again was just kind of this aspect of relying on God having five kids on a reduced income after being used to one income is really difficult my mom was still staying home with us at this point and I just remember seeing my dad step down like that, doing something that was good for our family instead of, you know, seeking out money. And again, just really show me my parents' priorities. Growing up, we also, at this church that my dad worked at, we met these two kids. And if you've been watching my YouTube channel for a while, you may know them. They're Michael and Michelle. Michael and Michelle are some of our dearest friends, but we met them... I think I was in seventh grade. My sisters were working at like a church camp and they met them through this camp for kids in the city. It was like an outreach program. And so they met them there and we just felt like we really enjoyed being around them. And a lot of times with church camps, it's hard because it's just short-term effects on kids and you don't necessarily get to invest in people for the long term. And we just genuinely enjoyed being around them so much. It was so fun just having friends through church. And so each week, every Sunday, Michael and Michelle would come to church with us. And then after that, they would come over and we would eat a meal together. And then sometimes we'd like go get dessert, we'd just hang out, do whatever, and then they would go back to their house at four. And it started off as just something that we did for like a year, but looking back, (laughs) we did this from sixth grade to twelfth grade till Michelle actually went to college recently. That's when we stopped because she was in college. And then Michael was older, Michael was able to do his own thing on Sundays. Sometimes I think in Christianity there's a temptation to just do the things you think you're supposed to do. So you go to church on Sunday and you check something off on your list and live out your week normally and then go to church every Sunday. And like that, it's your check as a Christian. And I always saw my parents living out their faith in ways that actually demonstrated through their week. So the way they treated money, the way that we invested in Michael and Michelle, you know, every single Sunday. And now she's such a dear friend for me, Michelle. We're just closer in age. And I just look back and see how my parents were always generous with what they had. Even when they didn't have that much, we would make, they would make a meal every single Sunday to share with other people. And it was just a way of seeing how my parents use their time and money to see that, you know, money isn't the end all be all and it shouldn't control you. And it's good to be generous. So pivoting for kind of my own childhood growing up and not just, I think my first job, I talked about this in my career episode, but I started off with just babysitting. So I would babysit every now and then. I think I made like seven or eight dollars an hour, whatever the minimum wage was. And so I would do that every now and then when I did like extra chores, my parents would give us money. We never got an allowance and we had set chores we had to do. But if I cleaned out the entire garage or did something like that, they'd give me like 20 bucks or something. In eighth grade, this was the first time I started making money off YouTube specifically. So I had been making YouTube videos for, I guess, three years at this point. No, two years at this point, but then I started to make money off AdSense because I applied and got it. It was not very much money at all. I think it was like a couple hundred dollars here and there, but I remember at that age, it just felt like I had really accomplished something. It was the first time I got a debit card because I was able to collect payments through AdSense, and I think this was the first point I really started saving money. Also in middle school, this was the time when I really felt like I noticed that sense of some people have more than other people. I really felt like growing up, I just viewed everyone as having the same. Like I never felt like there were richer people or poorer people. And I remember for the first time, one of my friends in middle school, I was like changing. I did non-competitive tennis in seventh grade because you had to do 
some sort of athletics and I didn't want to do actual athletics so I literally did non-competitive tennis it was basically a very easy PE class I danced outside of school but I just didn't want to have to do athletics and I remember one of my friends she looked at me while I was changing she asked you know why do you always wear those same pants you're always repeating outfits and I had never thought about those things before that moment I talk about this in my podcast a lot but I think that there are specific moments that you just remember that really change your mindset and this was one of those moments where I never thought it was bad to rewear clothes. I never thought it was bad if I wore the same outfits every week. I never thought that was weird. And I think that was the first time that I was more conscious of what it meant to have more or have less. I'm very thankful that that moment didn't (laughs) pivot me to be obsessed with buying a lot of clothes and wanting to make money. I actually just remember it because it kind of stung, but it didn't necessarily change me. It was just that moment where as a kid, when you're naive, you don't realize that there are people who kind of judge you for having more or having less. In high school, I put most of my time into my YouTube channel. And I tell people this all the time, but I think that the years that I put into YouTube when I was literally 16 years old that's the reason why I'm able to have this job today I danced in our varsity dance team at my high school and then I took a ton of AP classes I was obsessed with my grades and then I had YouTube like that was my life I would always be thinking of new videos I began my blog channel I started taking Instagram photos this is when I started getting sponsorships online And it just felt really rewarding to be able to work on something at such a young age and to be able to make money from it genuinely felt like a hobby. This was also when I started tithing because it was a principle that my parents had talked about. It was something I heard about church and I kind of liked the idea of my money being more than just mine and always making sure that I give it back to God because ultimately it's the blessings that he's given me. And so I started doing this in high school and I'm thankful I did it then because I often find the more money that you make, the harder it is to give that 10%. You almost have more control over it. But when you literally don't have anything and you're still able to give 10%, it really trains you to hold your money loosely in a world that tells you that money is everything. I would spend my money on clothes here and there, but 80% of what I made was saved at this age. I just felt this strong (laughs) urge to save because I knew I wanted to move to New York City. And so in the back of my mind, I always had this idea of, you know, it'll be easier to move if I have money saved. This was when my dad taught me how to do my taxes. So I remember I downloaded H&R Block and he walked through it with me. I think it was my sophomore year of high school when... If you make over $600, you have to start paying taxes or whatever. And this was the age where I became aware of the best way to navigate my business. So I was tracking my expenses. I really like it because I saw how certain legislation affected my taxes and like, oh, that was a good policy. Oh, that was not a great policy for me, but maybe it helped someone else. And it just gave me a greater sense of reality at such a young age of taxes because I think that there's this stigma that taxes have to be something that are really hard and obviously if you are in a very complicated business and are just too busy hiring an accountant is very necessary and very useful but I'm thankful at this age that I was the one doing it because it just made me aware of how everything worked. And then because I did my taxes, I saw every year that you had a deduction if you were contributing to an IRA. So if you had a retirement account as a self-employed person, you'd be able to contribute to it. So when I was a senior in high school, this is when I decided that, you know what, I'm going to try out that 
retirement account thing. And so I Googled and I searched Roth IRAs versus SEP IRAs and really looked into it and ultimately started my own account on Fidelity. It's still what I use. I have the same account today. I knew that, quote, normal jobs had retirement accounts tied to them. So why shouldn't I at this age have it if I'm making, you know, the amount that you would make at a, quote, normal job? And so I started contributing to it. I think I contributed the max that I could because I was living at home. I didn't have any expenses. I was like, I might as well just contribute everything that I can. There's a limit to how much you can contribute when you're self-employed or depending on the account that it is. I'm genuinely so thankful that my dad took the time to sit down and show me that. And my dad has always been that way. If I ever needed help, if I ever needed to learn something, he would sit down and show me and walk me through it. It was never growing up. I never felt like my dad was too busy for me. And same with my mom. I just never felt like I couldn't ask my parents questions because they couldn't invest in me. And it's something that I so clearly appreciate and so clearly want to do for my kids. Like I never want my kids to feel like they can't come and ask me questions or learn something because I'm too busy with my stuff. And so I'm really thankful that he taught me all that stuff. So when I decided to move to New York City, when I got into the King's College, this was my senior year of high school, I had $10,000 saved and this was a very monumental moment for me because that was all the work that I put in through high school. It just felt like I had this cushion where I was able to do something that I've always wanted to do because I had, you know, the safe space and the safe money saved to make it happen. And so my freshman year of college, I met my fiance, Aiden. And Aiden works in finance. He works in real estate finance, but started talking to me about investing. And he started telling me, I don't even remember how this conversation started, but I had always known that investing was a thing. I always knew it was something that people did, but it just seemed like it was too confusing. It always seemed that, you know, I can't learn this and you shouldn't just have money chilling in your savings account if you don't need it because it's just getting inflated and it's not good. But it always just seemed too hard. I was like, I like seeing my money. I like knowing that it's there. Knowing if I ever needed it, that it's there, I don't really want to invest. But I remember reading this book, and it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And essentially, it's about this guy who, his dad was very poor, but he knew a dad who was more rich, and he compared the lessons that he learned from these dads. It's a very good book if you guys want to read it, but there's this quote in it, and it says, You must know the difference between an asset and a liability, and buy assets. It is rule number one. It is the only rule. This may sound absurdly simple, but most people have no idea how profound this rule is. Most people struggle financially because they do not know the difference between an asset and a liability. So I started to kind of broaden my viewpoint instead of just thinking I need to save money, but like how can I actually diversify the money that I have? And so I put a little bit of money in a Fidelity separate account that was just for investing. And it was so interesting, you know, year after year seeing this money grow and I wasn't physically doing anything. I just had bought this and it was growing and it made me pay attention to the market. It made me pay attention to the news, which I think is really good to see what's going on in the world and to see how certain businesses are affected. And it just made me more in tune with the world and kind of seeing how the economy was going. I also started listening to Dave Ramsey more frequently and I was trying to switch out of this mindset of, you know, you need to work harder Two, you need to work smarter, and that's how investing kind of came into play. And I honestly didn't really know what I was doing. I just had always heard, you know, you should invest in things that you like. You should invest in businesses you like because you pay attention to them. You understand them better. Like, you wouldn't invest in something that you know nothing about that's just stupid. Or investing in an index that is, you know, a 
more safe investment to make and just kind of researching these things. So after three years, I graduated college and at 21, that's when I think I was fully on my own. I had gotten my first apartment on my own and had helped furnish it on my own. And then I was going back and forth between Texas and New York City. This was the time where I felt like I really had the ability to just pay for everything on my own. I think it's so crazy that YouTube and Instagram I think a lot of times are played as something extremely unstable and they are. I think it's really smart to have backup opportunities and backup plans and it's a big reason why I will talk later about how we budget our money because my income is more random and inflexible but at the same time Looking back over all of those years, I know it's the reason why I'm able to be in the position that I am today was because of the way that I worked in high school. Something that I had always tried to do too growing up with this job, it's crazy the opportunities you get. It's absolutely insane, especially just for traveling. I always, you know, in high school, I would see these YouTubers going on these trips and I thought, you know, the first trip that I get to go on, that's when I know that I've made it or whatever. And I was thinking about it the other day and I was just so thankful that I've gotten to go on so many trips through YouTube, especially now because we all miss traveling a lot more frequently these days. But I always tried to share these opportunities with my family. There's always felt an obligation to share these things with other people. So I went to Chicago with United Airlines once and I took my sisters and my mom and it was so fun. It was three days. It was so short, but it was so fun. I got to go to the Bahamas and so I brought my friend Rose One time I got to go on a skiing trip and I brought one of my old roommates. And so for me, I just wanted to make sure these opportunities were never inflating my ego. Like, oh, I'm so cool. I get to take pictures of myself in a swimsuit (laughs) at the Bahamas. Like I always wanted it to be an experience with someone else. I just felt an obligation to. And it was also more fun that way. It's never fun to enjoy blessings on your own. I never wanted to get caught up in being obsessed with my stuff and the trips that I went on. And everything just being around me. And so I'm so thankful that growing up, my parents taught me to, you know, focus on the principle of tithing, to save your money for long-term goals, and just kind of living the same life I've always had and not inflating my lifestyle or having, I think it's lifestyle inflation, where you start to live this crazy life because you start making more money. I just always feel that I live the same way. I still repeat my outfits all the time. I still wear the same stuff. And I think for me, I always appreciate when I meet someone who... I would have no idea that they had X amount of money because they just lived a very normal life who were generous with what they had. And I think it's always important to recognize that what someone physically has is not a measure of their wealth. Especially in Texas, people drive crazy nice cars and most of them are on lease. Like so many people lease their cars because they want to look a certain way. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. I'm just saying don't compare yourself to other people because they're driving nice cars or wearing fancy clothes because for one, it's not even a measure of wealth. Someone could not have the money to actually buy those things, but they're wearing them. And two, it's not a measure of your character, how much money you have. Again, you can be extremely unhappy. When I was working in New York City, I was working at an agency and I was also doing YouTube. That year was the year when I had made the most money in a year that I'd ever had before. I just remember being so sad. Like I look back at that time and it was very fun working with my coworkers. I loved that part of it. I loved going to work, but I was just so stressed out and so burnt out that I feel like I couldn't enjoy anything because I was always stressed. But you know, looking at 
my tax return that year, you would think it was a great year. And so it just is not a measure of happiness at all. There's a verse, it's 1 Timothy 6.10, and it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And I think a lot of people take this verse as meaning for money is the root of all evil. And it's important to acknowledge that it's saying the love of money. When you are so obsessed with having money, talking about money, being stingy with your money, like that and holding on to it so tightly, like that is what is making you wander away from what is good, not necessarily the money in itself. I just think that's an important thing to recognize and it's something that I'm not perfect by any means at all. There are times when I do cling to my money tightly and that's not good and that's not how we are called to live at all. So I think for me, these next things are ways that I have learned to have a healthier relationship with money. The questions that I'm going to answer are a little bit more specific. If you're wondering about budgeting, all that stuff, I'll talk about that. But I think the first thing is just focusing on my end financial goals. I think when I know that there's a purpose for the money that I'm saving, that helps me have a healthier relationship with it. So right now, we know in two years or so, maybe less, I don't really know. We definitely want to buy a house. I think it's a great investment to buy a house, especially right now. A lot of people are buying houses. I believe interest rates are low too. We just didn't want to buy this year because we didn't know where we were going to end up permanently. But once we do, we definitely plan on buying a house. And so it's nice to know that that is what we're saving up for because we want to be able to, for me, I would love to be able to put down a significant down payment. It's something that I think is smart to do and something that I would like to do. I know that I want to be able to treat our families well and visit often. So that's another thing that we always want to make sure we have money for. And then also just saving for our future kids for their college education and all those things. Those are things that we hope to save up for in the future. And again, just to be able to keep being generous by tithing to our church. That's another thing that's important. Another thing is just being transparent about finances, especially within a marriage. It's very nice knowing that me and Aiden are on the same page. I feel a lot more comfortable with money when we talk about it together, when it's not something that I feel like is a secret or hidden. There is an app called Empower. I used to do a lot of sponsorships with them, but they have a tracker where you can track all of your money. And there were some months where it would send like a monthly expense chart, how much money you spent, where I would get that and just be appalled about the way that I was spending my money because I think the way that you do spend your money says a lot about you and you know what you love what you prioritize and I remember reading one month and I was like I don't want to be the person who has this expense chart like my heart is not in the right place and I think that it has helped me a lot just having that this isn't a sponsored thing by any means I just think it's a great app I think praying routinely for blessing and to be a blessing to other people not comparing my lifestyle to other people this is a big one if you have to get off instagram if you have to stop following someone who's doing a lot of hauls someone who's constantly sharing products you need i try to have a balance between sharing things that i do like that i purchase but also being aware that you know, these things aren't everything. And if you're going to be tempted by that, don't watch that. Always expressing gratitude for the things that we do have instead of not always seeking out new things. And then I think where possible with my job, I try to be generous. Recently, I got to do a collaboration with this bracelet brand. It's called Little Words Project. And all the commission that we had made from it, we actually got to donate to the Bowery Mission, which is such an awesome organization. They do a lot of homeless outreach in the city. It was so cool. We also had a friend who worked there from Kings and she texted me the other day and she was like, this is how much money 
you guys got to raise for the Bowery mission. And it was just cool getting to use a talent that I feel like God has given me for an end that is really good. And obviously you have to make money, so I'm not saying give away everything that you make. But I do think doing things like that where you can just kind of humbles you and keeps you from, again, holding on too tight. So now we are going to roll into the questions. I just asked for questions on my normal Instagram, which is at Michelle Reed. But the first one is your opinion on credit cards that may benefit you with rewards and points. So personally, I actually don't have a credit card, neither does Aiden, and I know that might shock a lot of people, and of course, if we're buying a house, we probably need to get on that, but I will say whenever we got this apartment and my last apartment that I got, I never had a credit card and I was able to sign a lease. I know a house is a much bigger deal, so it's probably more difficult. We were able to show our savings, our past landlord letters of recommendations, and also just our purchase history with utilities. And I still had a credit score, so I'm pretty sure it's okay. I think a lot of people say you need a credit card because of the credit score aspect. There are a lot of people and... To me, some extent, I just don't feel very comfortable with credit cards. I think if you're the kind of person who can't keep yourself from buying things that you don't need, even if you have a small limit on your credit card, it might not be the wisest decision and you just kind of have to check yourself and know. I do think getting all the points and rewards would be really nice and that's why we plan on getting one because if you are someone who pays off your debt, They can be a really good thing, but if you listen to Dave Ramsey, you know he does not have a credit card and preaches against credit cards and is very much a cash guy, so that's all I'm saying, but it can be really beneficial if you want to save with those rewards, but you just have to kind of know yourself, but I don't have a lot of knowledge on credit cards, so I can't really say anything beyond that. So this is a biggie. This is one that I've gotten a lot recently, but it's do you and your husband share all finances or do you have joint and then separate accounts. So I just want to say everyone is different with this. There's no right answer. There's no, you need to do it this way, you need to do it that way. So this is literally just personal experience. This is literally just me. This is what works for us. It's what we learned in our premarital counseling. So it is just the way we do it. But if you do it differently, that is okay. But we share all of our finances and we just have a joint account. So we have a joint savings account and a checking account. We might get separate credit cards down the row if we want to go that way. And our retirement accounts are still separate just because they're separate. I have a different job than Aiden. But we still decide our investments together for those. So it's not something that's I'm making my own decisions. He's making his own decisions. Everything's a joint decision. So this is just personal preference. I guess for me, I feel a lot of comfort being on the same page. I know that money can be a big reason why people fight in a marriage and just having secret credit cards and expenses and not being transparent about money, especially when you're planning on buying a house or doing something like this. It's just nice working together to that. Does that mean that we sit and get mad at each other's purchases? Like, no. I know a lot of people have a method where they will ask their spouse or just let them know if they're going to buy something that's over X amount of money. We don't really do that either. We just have a budget that we use of, you know, this is how much we want to spend on this, this is how much we want to spend on this in terms of our rent, our utilities, our groceries, and then we just keep that in check. And that's what works for us. I personally feel just stronger in our marriage being on the same page with these things. And I wouldn't ever want it to feel like, this is my expense and this is his expense or we're splitting this. To me, that just doesn't feel like the marriage that I want to be in. 
and I just feel a lot more comfortable when we're sharing everything. And so another question I got is how you and your husband combine finances and each take roles in managing money. So I really like this one because this is something that I also kind of learned from my parents, but Aiden pretty much manages most of our finances. He's better at Excel. I'm very much a believer that in a marriage, you should do tasks that specialize in what you're good at. So Aiden does most of our finances because he just understands it more. We both know what's happening with our investments, but he's definitely the one who I think knows more than I do because I'm just not as knowledgeable at it. But I will say it is much easier to save now in a marriage, just having those two incomes. It's made it a lot easier because we just have one rent, we have one set of utilities, we have one Wi-Fi, we have one car, we don't have two cars. And so it's kind of like having two incomes, but the same expenses. So in that aspect, it's been really nice. What is something you feel most guilty about purchasing? So I wanted to talk about this because I got some questions about purchases that you regret the most, things that you wish you wouldn't have bought. And so I think the first thing, and this was the biggest slap in the face for me when I moved to New York City, I knew that New York City taxes were higher than Texas taxes. So Texas doesn't have a state income tax. They definitely make up for it through the sales tax. So how it works for my job, you pay quarterly taxes. So whatever you make in a quarter, you pay X amount, whatever it may be off that each quarter. Like my taxes are not taken out of the checks that I get. So then when you file your taxes in April, you will see if you underpaid or overpaid. And I had significantly underpaid by thousands of dollars. And so I had to write this giant check. This was a few years ago. I think this was in college. And it was not fun. And I just felt like a doofus. But, you know, you learn. Another thing, this is just a recent thing that I think is crazy, is just medical bills. I recently had some iron IVs done. And I didn't realize how expensive they were and how I have really great insurance. And so I just didn't think that it would be a big deal. But I think it's crazy how you can walk into a place here and get something done and you don't know what the cost of it is going to be. I feel that they should have to tell you up front and like run it by your insurance to see what they would cover. I think medical bills can just be so expensive and you don't realize it. And those were one of those things where I got the bill. I was like, man, I did not know it was going to be this much. And I honestly don't know how much they helped. I still feel the same and my hair is still shedding. And this is why I got them because my doctor recommended it. But it just kind of showed me that you can't trust all doctors too and you just don't know. Another thing I felt guilty about that I wish I didn't feel guilty about because afterwards I was very thankful, but it was wedding purchases. So my parents were very amazing and they helped out with a lot of the wedding too, but I had a few things that I paid for on my own. And I just always felt very guilty for paying them. I felt like, you know, why am I wasting so much money if it's just one day? But looking back, it was so worth it. Our wedding was exactly how I wanted it to be, even with COVID. It was small, it was intimate, it was fun, it was exactly what I wanted. It was simple, perfect in all the right ways. I'm so excited for our wedding video to come back, but I paid a lot of money for our photographer and our videographer and decorations and just random little things, but I'm very thankful that I did because it was perfect. So I know a lot of people spend a lot of money on weddings, but it can definitely be worth it to have just a really great day to look back on. How soon in a relationship should you discuss finances? So I don't think there's a right answer on this. I think whenever you feel comfortable, I mean, I don't necessarily think in a dating relationship you have an obligation to share your finances if you don't want to. We talked about it because 
it was obviously a common interest and the further that we dated the more I knew I was going to marry him and so I think if you know you're going to marry someone or if you're engaged that's a good time to kind of start talking about it maybe before you get engaged because you should know someone's viewpoint on money beforehand so we talked about it pretty soon but I do think it's healthy to talk about it before you get engaged to someone just so you know and I'm not just saying oh I have x amount saved like that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about more how you spend your money and you'll see the longer you date someone do they make a lot of impulsive purchases are they sketchy with their money are they generous and I think these are good things to see in someone while you're dating before you get engaged this one says saving how do you save but not be a scrooge so I love this question because I think the point of saving is to be generous with money, but I think the biggest switch for me was instead of just saying, you know, I'm going to save whatever is left after my expenses, actually seeing it as paying myself. So when you get a paycheck, you know, 5%, 3%, 10%, 20%, the maximum that you can pay yourself while also covering your expenses, you pay yourself in the beginning. You don't go and see how much money you spend, then save whatever is left. That is a bad tactic because chances are you're not going to have that much money left if you're not planning to save money, especially when you have less money. At least that's how it was for me. It was harder to save them because you just don't have as much. But when you're paying yourself at the beginning, you view it as an expense. You don't view it as I'm saving with what's left. I also think there's this big focus on millennials specifically where people just kind of joke around like oh if you stop buying as much coffee you'll make more money and I was thinking about this when I was doing this podcast because I've always focused on this I've always been like well cut out small purchases cut out little things you can't hear it there but I think instead of that you should think about how can you actually increase your income because I like buying coffee I like buying avocado toast and I'm kind of tired of seeing articles making fun of it so I'm like how can we beat the system and actually just make more money instead of having to cut these purchases that people often make fun of millennials for. So I think for me, a switch was I'm going to try to make passive income in ways that I'm not really thinking about. So I started using affiliate links. If I really like something, if I really like a shirt, I wear a lot, people keep asking me for a link, then I'll share it and make a couple cents if someone buys it. And those couple cents add up when more people buy it. And it's a good way to make passive income. If you don't have a job like this, think, can I work a few extra hours? Can I start downloading Acorns and investing a little bit of money? Now, I don't think investing is a way to save because it's obviously very unreliable. So I'm not saying that. I'm just thinking of thinking of different ways to use the money that you have to make money for you. Or selling clothes on Poshmark. I did this a lot in high school. It was just little ways of making $200 extra a month and just having that to save instead of thinking, how can I cut down $50 of coffee a month? You know what I'm saying? I also got a question on things I believe are worth spending money more on versus not spending money on. So things that I think specifically for me are worth spending money on. One is rent slash my home. So because of working from home, because of my job, just recording a lot, it has always been worth it to me to invest in my space. I spend a lot of time at home as a lot of us do now. And I realized I really want to invest in a space that is pretty to film in, that has great lighting but it's also just a home and feels cozy. So I never feel bad about spending more on these things. I think for rent, I've always tried to stick to the rule that you don't pay more than 20% of your income on your rent. In terms of your annual income, health is another thing. So a gym membership or buying quality food is really important for me because that's investing in yourself, in your health. And then also just buying quality clothes over quantity of clothes. Things that I think are not worth a lot of money for one this is one that I've learned recently is furniture 
And now I don't mean buying cheap furniture. I just mean I have become a Facebook Marketplace queen where you can find anything on Facebook Marketplace. If you want a restoration hardware couch, you can find it. I found a cloud couch on Facebook Marketplace for $2,000 yesterday, and it was originally a $6,000 couch, and this woman had just brought it home and didn't like it. Like, that is insane. You do not need to buy the full thing when people are selling gently used items for a lot cheaper. Another thing is a car. So I've never been someone who needed, like, a very fancy car. I've always been okay with buying used cars. I know everyone's different, but one of the things that I'm most proud of, and it was actually one of my biggest goals in terms of finances, was to buy a car in full. Recently, I got my first car, and we got to buy it in cash, which was just a really exciting thing. And no one thinks that that's sexy. Like, no one thinks, oh man, buying a car in cash is really an accomplishment. It doesn't look like a designer bag. It doesn't look like a whatever it may be. But that was a moment for me where I just felt very satisfied and being able to do that and not having car debt. It just felt really good for me personally. But I didn't need a crazy fancy car. You know, we could do that because we weren't buying a really awesome designer car or anything. And if you can buy a really awesome designer car in cash, I think that's even cooler. That's really awesome. But I think a car is just meant to get you from point A to point B. So if you can do that with a less expensive car that's still reliable, you know, that works too. So this one is how to save money for a wedding. How did you save? So beforehand, we kind of had a budget in mind. We planned and budgeted what we could afford. I think the biggest thing is to know which vendors for you are worth spending more money on. So for us, videography and photography, just with what I do was very important. Our food was really important. We wanted, you know, our guests to feel like they had a really awesome meal. Having a nice venue was really important and then my dress I just wanted to wear a dress that felt really special things that weren't as important for us were flowers I've just I like flowers but we really like greenery a lot so we had a lot of greenery at our wedding which is much more affordable just decor in general I've never been the person who knew I need these placemats I need these signs I need these napkins I need a photo booth that stuff just didn't really matter for me I got most of our signs off of Etsy and then we just did the basic placemats that our caterer allowed. And then another thing was a DJ. I just needed someone to play music. I didn't need fancy lights or anything. And I actually think it's nice because the wedding industry is going to tell you that everything's important. But you have to know your own priorities and what you want to spend money and what you want to spend more money on because they will tell you that everything is worth spending more on and it's not. COVID honestly took all the pressure off. I think a lot of people asked me if I was bummed that our wedding happened to be during COVID and obviously we couldn't have nearly as many people as we wanted to. So many people couldn't come and it was very sad to have that but I didn't feel like our wedding was catering to the guests instead of our marriage because it was the focus of the wedding was the marriage because not everyone could be there. I wasn't worried about frivolous things because I was just thankful to be able to get married and so it just really took the pressure off. And then also just knowing to start saving ahead of time. So if you know you're going to get engaged in a year or whatever, maybe start saving some extra money here and there where you can because you do know that you'll have this wedding coming up. Planning for unplanned expenses. So I think the biggest thing, this is something I learned from Dave Ramsey, is just to have an emergency fund. So he recommends having, I think, $1,000 in an emergency fund. And if you need more, you can have more. But you have that fund set aside if something happens like your car breaks down. Or for me, when I got those iron IVs, I didn't expect it was going to be that much, but it was more. And so just having that set aside to know 
that it's there if I need it. I got a question about how we bought our car. So I actually wanted to mention this because if you're in the Dallas area, this is not a plug. It's not sponsored. But my dad has a family friend and he owns Sidco Auto. It's like an auto company. And if you're buying a used car, they make the process so easy. They basically will source whatever you want at an auction. So we wanted a Jeep Grand Cherokee. That was a car that we wanted. We said we preferred kind of anything but black. We wanted a white, charcoal, maybe brown, whatever other color car. We said our price range is from X to X. We want it to be four-wheel drive or not four-wheel drive, have a sunroof, not find a sunroof, whatever it may be. And they will find cars that fit this. And so they will tell you when they're at an auction, you know, we have this car and if you want it, we can bid on it. Let me know what the cap is on the bid if it's something that fits. And then they'll get it. They'll do the inspection. They'll get it detailed. And it feels like you're getting, they get the license plates for you. They do the registration. It's just very easy. Obviously, they're making commission, so there is a fee. But you get a really nice experience if you're not someone who wants to go to a lot of different used car lots and not really know the service history, not know if it's a good buy. They just made it really easy. And we've gotten, I think, four of our cars in our family through it. But that's where we got my car that we bought and it really has been a good car. I have no issues with it yet. I actually love driving it. It's so fun having an SUV for the first time. I think it's a lot of fun. So so those are all the money questions that I'm going to answer. I hope this was helpful for you guys. Again, I just want to reiterate that money is not everything. Money is not the end-all be-all, and you can be very unhappy and still have a lot of money. So I just want to put that out there. I think that it's very easy to idolize money, but it's also very easy to not steward your money well. And so it's a tricky thing, but it's even trickier when people don't talk about it. So I just hope this helped you guys and let me know what else you would like for me to talk about here on the podcast. If you want to shoot me a DM on Instagram, that would be very appreciated. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye friends. (laughs) 